0: Hi, I'm Kristen Carpenter, the founder and CEO of Verde Brand Communications and the host of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Over the past two decades, Verde served hundreds of amazing brands across the active lifestyle markets. We know how to build and activate communities of rapidly loyal brand fans for our clients because we work every day to help them connect with, serve, and sell to their consumers. And that's what you'll get a masterclass in every week here on the Channel Mastery Podcast. To reach JEDI status as a channel master, you have to commit to knowing your consumer inside and out, because today, the consumer is the channel. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. We're glad you're here. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm very proud today to introduce Michael Globter, who is the CEO of Cooler, and John Dorn, who is the GM of Outside Incorporated. Welcome to the show. It's awesome to have you here today.
1: Thanks a lot. Really a pleasure to be with you.
0: So I would love to have you both give a quick introduction of yourselves, how you came together, and the founding story behind Cooler.
1: Sure. Should I go first,
2: John? Yeah, go for it, Michael.
1: All right. Well, I, uh, about 15 years ago, I had the privilege of leading an organization that wrote a lot of the major legislation on climate in in U.S. states. We basically introduced carbon charges in 15 US states, California and 14 northeastern states and Quebec in Canada. And that was a really big victory under Bush and Cheney under the Bush and Cheney administrations who were not in favor of taking action on climate at all. I left that thinking okay, Americans change the way world in two ways, they vote and they shop. And I wanted to find a way after having worked on climate already at that point for over 20 years that people could express the frustration they were going to feel beyond voting which takes a long time to drive change. It's it is the most important thing you can do, but it takes a while. How could people in their everyday actions take action on climate? And we set about trying to find a way to make that happen in in shopping in a very high integrity way. And then John and I met and started experimenting uh, a while ago, and I'll let him
2: talk a little bit about that. Thanks, Michael. Kristen, I'm so delighted to be on your podcast, having known you since I started at Backpacker in 1997 as an assistant gear editor, to really date myself. Um, (laughs) But I'm an outdoor industry lifer. I was fortunate in 2006 to be one of the first ambassadors invited to join Al Gore's Climate Reality Project, which was an effort to create a grassroots movement to popularize the idea of climate change, which back in 2007 wasn't on the tips of everyone's tongues, by sending folks like me out to auditoriums and high school stages to give talks about what was going on around the globe with glaciers melting and so on, which, of course, as a Backpacker, I felt I was kind of a canary in a coal mine because I was seeing this stuff firsthand uh, in a very real way as I returned to Alaska and other locations and saw change with my own eyes. I brought the experience of going through that training back to Backpacker where at that point I was editor-in-chief and decided that we as a magazine really needed to sort of take accountability for what we were doing ourselves. And through that Gore network, I met Michael and he Uh, With amazing work and support, helped us conduct what at the time was the first ever full carbon footprint analysis of a magazine that had been done anywhere on the planet to determine what our footprint was. And then we took that information and we made changes to the magazine that immediately reduced that footprint by 10%. We did what we could. And Michael and I became pals. He is also a lifelong backpacker, a wanderer in the Sierra, among other places. And kind of as brothers from another mother, we kept in touch over the last decade, ruminating on ideas and really wanting to come back to market with something that allowed people to act every day in their normal life to drive change themselves. And so that's how we wound up getting back together again about a year ago, year and a half ago, with me playing a very small role in helping to actualize Michael's vision to create Cooler, the software company that uh, he runs now and that I'm a kind of a silent co-founder partner in on the nights and weekends that I can spare for him.
0: I love that story. And I love that it's entrepreneurial and that it's relationship based and that it's truly heart-based, frankly, like you see a need that you have solved for. And what I love most that you just, both of you, they vote and they shop. Isn't that true? And, and I think that in, you know, what we've gone through in 2020, watching the consumer evolve, we definitely saw even that they might have lost a little bit of belief in how their vote impacted what happened in the world. So I think a lot of consumers started to really vote with their dollars, maybe more than even when we created that phrase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So just out of curiosity, like, you founded this about eighteen months ago. Obviously, the the great unpleasantness of COVID happened probably right after that. And I'm curious to know how you're. Thankfully, a tech company and a SaaS company, you're able to move quickly and nimbly. How have you seen the consumer evolve? And then we'll get into the technology solution that you're serving them with.
1: No, absolutely. Well, I mean, we were first of all, we saw we were able to get some research. It's true. We launched like in February. We started pulling this together in February we actually had a pilot. We had one of the biggest real estate developers in San Jose, California. It's a slow retail market on the street there. And they were trying to revitalize downtown. And we were fixing to have like a carbon neutral weekend that the mayor was going to announce. And people were going to see if we could get new people by just making the stores on the strip carbon neutral for like a Saturday and a Sunday. Well, that plan went out the window, obviously. And we started turning, thanks partially to John's partnership, to the outdoor industry and places that consumers were naturally turning because of the pandemic to get outside. And we've been really successful in that space. It's been a great base from which we could develop the first software platforms and customers. We're a B2B company, we sell to companies, and then those companies are then able to be carbon neutral to their consumers and engage their consumers around the fight on climate change. So we found a lot of receptivity. And then with the election, you know, the sky's really the limit. I mean, the this administration is all in on climate change. It's opened the doors for everyone to sort of know that there's a pathway that, you know, I, I don't think anybody doubts anymore that carbon and that taking action on the climate is going to be a essential part of their lives for the next 15, 20, 30 years. Um, and that's just been a great opportunity for us.
0: Well, let's jump right into it then because I really feel that discussing the technology that you've created to, I guess, like almost the intel inside for brands to really show up for their consumers, the way those consumers are hoping to see them show up from an, you know, where do you stand, right? That's one thing that we've seen and we study the consumer week in and week out for our clients here at Verde. And what we've really seen is like the loyalty was up for grabs during COVID and there were two things that drove where they ended up wanting to enroll with a brand. And on one level, it was like, how easy is it to get what I need, right? (laughs) And on the other level was, is this brand ethically aligned with me? Because I think they all felt like they were in the basement with a blanket over their head, but they still wanted to help and do something. And they also were living in this crazy political climate that we're all living in, you know, in the United States. So I feel like that was just a really fantastic time where everything lined up. So I think you probably have a lot of interest from brands, but let's talk about the solution and the technology and specifically the trust that you're creating around it because that's so critical for brands today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically we make carbon products, any product or service carbon neutral at the point of, at point of sale. And that really depends on two forms of magic. The first is we use cutting edge, peer-reviewed, science to to instantly calculate the the carbon footprint of products and services. And that's based on some Nobel Prize winning math that the prize was awarded in 1972. EPA caught up with the prize about, I don't know, seven years ago and started publishing a database that we draw from for these numbers where we can get to about 2,500 product categories in the United States economy with a high level of precision, product and service categories, including things like insurance and mortgages, and of course, shoes and backpacks and bicycles and things like that. The second piece of magic is the markets that we helped establish in the mid-2000s. So we don't really think that offsets are necessarily... I think if you want to go to consumers and say, this product is carbon neutral, I think they need to know that carbon is not going into the atmosphere because of something they bought, right? Or that you're removing an equivalent amount of carbon. And although many forms of offsets are cool, they're good for the planet, they're good for agriculture, they're good for trees, The half-life of CO2 in the atmosphere is about 500 years. There's really nothing that humans know how to do that's gonna keep a particular tree standing for 500 years for sure. Um, And that's been a challenge in the offset market. So the second piece of magic we engage in is we actually compete consumer dollars against polluters. Um, What we do is we take the money that the companies that are cooler give us, and we go buy permits out of regulated markets where polluters need to buy permits to emit, We act as if we're a polluter. We go buy those permits also, and we bury them. So in any given quarter, we go buy permits away from polluters, and they can emit less because of the dollars that consumers and the companies we work with have spent to be cooler. So it's actually a kind of crosses over into the political, right? You vote, you get a permit system, you put a cap on polluters, and then we take some of your money and we squeeze that cap harder after you voted. And that's really how cooler works to make change happen. Um, it also happens to be a really ironclad way to be carbon neutral because we're taking that carbon out of the air right now. And that money's being reinvested actually in making the grid and transportation greener and greener every day.
0: John, I was hoping you could chime in on that. Uh, looking at your experience that you described in the intro around Backpacker magazine. And, you know, if you were in uh the, the chair, if you will, as a as a client of Cooler Today. Tell us what that would mean in terms of like the trust that would be imparted to your brand profile.
2: I would just point out on Michael's point about ensuring that the carbon you're paying for really is going away. Like, look what happened to wildfires in California over the last 18 months to the fragility of trees as a form of carbon capture. If I have you know, whether I'm an editor, an, a business owner, or a regular citizen and individual, if I can see that that smokestack right over there is going to be pumping out 20% less CO2e over the next quarter because the companies that I patronize are cooler, that's a very real and immediate and permanent impact. That's 20% less of that exhaust that's going. So I, I know that's real. I I, literally, I can see
0: it. Right. I love that. And we've talked over the years with Conservation Alliance as one of our founding clients saying the most effective campaigns that they have is when like they can say mile 23, we're pulling a car out of the river, right? Like it's something that really localizes it and makes it real. Whereas that's kind of our, I think I was backing into. So thank you for helping me there. (laughs) It's more like the vaporware of it versus like the reality of it in your day-to-day life. And that's, I think, a key point for the next question I wanted to ask is like, have brands actually um, been able to effectively convey this? You guys are still relatively new. And obviously, we talk a lot about marketing and channels and and brand messaging here. This is um, the kickoff of a corporate social responsibility series that we're Doing with channel mastery, and I feel like this is a really cruxy question. Like, how are you helping brands convey that trusted message? I think that it's twofold. There's probably a technology, fa- you know, component around it, which you just described, Michael, in terms of like how you come up with what you provide, but then also like how do you help them educate consumers?
1: What we offer companies, right, is really two forms of magic. We give them an instant carbon footprint, and we actually remove the, the carbon equivalent. Of what's in that product from the atmosphere with the money that either the companies or their consumers provide give us um, through the companies. Um, and that's really magical for a lot of people. Um, so what you were asking, the second question you're asking, right, was about how do we raise, how does how have we seen awareness raising? And it just happens in a bunch of different ways. First of all, I would say the most common thing is that most of our customers are skeptical of offsets. Um, most of our customers they want to do something, they like planting trees but they're saying, you know, we're not really sure this is something we can go to market with and say, oh, it's a great product because we're planting trees. Um, And planting trees is awesome. I don't want to criticize planting trees, but planting trees does not permanently remove carbon from the atmosphere. And so when we show up to them with a way to go fight polluters with their money, concretely reduce the boom, lower the boom on polluters, they're very excited about that. And they're starting to communicate that to their consumers. And in a wide variety of ways. We're just beginning to see the tips of the iceberg, but there's a lot of excitement. They're, they're really clear to their consumers. This isn't offsets. This is actually a form of removal. It's really ironclad. We're not going to private brokers. We're buying this stuff from states and governments. It's a felony if you cheat, you go to jail, and all those, it's not a civil suit, right? It's a, it's a serious criminal violation to cheat in these markets. So that's one of the things, that's probably the first thing is it gets them, they love the idea that they don't have to be wondering if the offset is any good. That's probably the first aha. The second aha is that we give them this detailed, granular view of their footprint, of the, of the things that they sell, and there is eye-opening. I mean, most businesses, it's sort of obvious, but to me, maybe, but most people don't understand that it's the energy, first of all. So most products, the footprint's 30 to 50%, the electricity that's used or the energy that's used to make the product. That shows up in our footprint. What does that mean for the average retail store, for the average manufacturer? Go talk to your energy suppliers, get them on solar, get them on wind, right? And by doing that, you can cut your footprint by 30 to 50% Like as soon as you can swap your energy. Now, you're not able to swap your energy easily everywhere, but there's at least 30 states in the U.S. where you can, and that immediately lowers the carbon footprint of your product. I guess there's another highlight here. None of our companies just want to be carbon neutral, right? Our technology lets them get out front with the most important thing they can do, stop greenhouse gas emissions today. Then they want to go up their supply chains and reduce those emissions anyway and do more work on it. And we give them the data that lets them do that too. And that that kind of flips the script for a lot of companies, right? Today, it's like, let's go do a big, deep inventory and then figure out what we can do then. What Cooler allows people to do is figure out their footprint today, take it out of the atmosphere today, and then go up their supply chain and improve their capital investment plans and everything else over the timeframe that they're able to. That you, you just can't change the grid behind your product in a day. You can make your product carbon neutral today, and then you can go negotiate new prices and new sources of energy and chemicals and things like that over the next year, two years, five years, depending on the industry you're in. So that's the exciting part is we make it possible to just get upfront right away, take the most important action, and not forgive yourself for everything else, but in fact, give you more data to do the other stuff.
0: <laughs> Before I go ask my next question, I have to ask, do you do this internationally as well? you mentioned yeah. 30 states in the united states
1: yeah we don't we don't buy carbon internationally yet it doesn't really work. where you if you remove carbon anywhere on the planet it's good we're looking we only work in the markets that are most tightly regulated and are rigorous any place carbon is going to be regulated there's going to be carbon permit markets but some of them are designed in a looser way today than they than than others okay and we're just buying out of the tightest markets right now
0: Okay, that's fine. That helps me um not go down a rabbit hole that's going to have us pull back. So, I read as I was researching Michael that you have a viewpoint of you're in the business of helping companies make more money by fighting climate change. And what yes. you just explained, I think talks about a lot of different ways that you do that, but I think that that's a pretty compelling thing to say to a, a bunch of different people within an organization as you're a B2b company, I could see sales, I could see definitely see marketing because that's my world obviously but I also see that operations and CEO like definitely need to be in on this too after what you just explained. So can you give a little bit more color to that? What, you know how exactly are you helping companies make more money by fighting climate change?
1: Yeah well look 80% of Fortune 500 companies have made some kind of aggressive commitment on climate. There's also a bunch of private equity banks and BlackRock and others who are trying to get their portfolios to be net zero. No disrespect, but I think of these as kind of Davos kind of commitments. Where are you talking about that? You're putting billboards up, maybe you're talking to people in Switzerland about it. But what does it mean to somebody who's actually buying from you, who's actually choosing you as the person they want to spend money to? And it's really hard for companies to get this message to that place and doing that has two benefits if we can and cooler allows you to do that and that's why we're excited about it it has two benefits first 80% of consumers are looking for companies that are taking action on this Con- consumer research has shown people want more action out of companies than they want out of governors out of congress people out of presidents they want to see companies taking action on climate so we give companies a way to show at point of sale to people they're selling to that they're taking action the second thing is that the way they take action accelerates the construction of clean energy and pressures polluters to reduce their emissions. So it's almost like a form of political action by using those dollars to squeeze the market for pollution, you're actually also accelerating impact as well. So that double impact at point of sale to engage the consumer and then that integrity piece, which says not only are we removing carbon from the atmosphere, but we're doing it in a way that accelerates the change we all need. So they're not just taking a step, they're actually speeding progress on climate change and not just for themselves.
0: I'm so glad that you brought up the Fortune 100 and 500 companies with the goal setting that you mentioned, 80%. I think you said a Fortune 500 companies have carbon neutral commitments. Obviously, Amazon announced a big one going carbon neutral by 2040. You know, with Amazon being a marketplace or, you know, an online vending machine, however you want to talk about it, no disrespect intended, but there's not a lot of like deep brand engagement there sometimes. Okay. But what you're providing here, I think, is interesting because the consumer will go through the brand journey and be able to engage with the brand and then get to the point where they're ready to buy and that's where they discover you. So I think it's actually a really powerful thing to give a brand to put you know, in their own shopping cart, if you will. And it, it yeah. integrates with Shopify. I don't know if there's anything you want to talk about on that front, because a lot of brands, I think, are looking at how they're actually selling direct to their consumers today from COVID. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. And that's one of the... I mean, again, as I mentioned, our earliest pilot was going to be just on the street in San Jose, with the mayor's support um, and the support of actually some of the real estate people in that community, couldn't do that under under COVID. So we turned to platforms like Shopify and where people were doing a lot of their business, and we made it. And today, you can go to Shopify today. Very soon, you can go to Big Commerce, which is the second largest e-commerce platform, and other platforms, and literally turn it, turn a feature on your online store and make everything you sell carbon neutral instantly doesn't take any time at all. You sign up and boom, it's done. It's happening That from that moment on. You get a dashboard of the carbon neutralization with every, every sale. What's been super exciting for us is that a lot of our co- customers are going back to the brick and mortar channel with the same offers. So um, I don't know if you've gotten any boxes from Oryu Case recently, but they print cooler powered on their shipping boxes. It's super flattering and we're so grateful for them and honored by that. Uh, Other customers of ours are actually redesigning their consumer packaging. Uh, Some some of them only sell 30% online, Others and they sell 30% to Amazon and 40% in brick-and-mortar channels. They're putting QR codes on their packaging so that people can buy the product, go, well, what's this carbon-neutral claim? Click on that QR code, and all of a sudden, they're reengaged again in a brick-and-mortar channel. They've been able to transfer them to a digital channel through the carbon-neutral offer. Every transaction we neutralize has a tracking ID. And that's another way for them to storytell. Here's the permit we retired. Here's the serial number of the permit we retired. Here's the detailed footprint of this product you purchased. And here's what we're doing about it. So we see this as a platform, not just for making people carbon neutral, but for telling that climate story that's going to be different for every company and engaging their consumers.
0: That's great. John, did you have anything that you wanted to say? John, do you want to
1: jump
2: in with some stuff? John probably has... John should answer some of these questions too. Two thoughts. Um, neither of them sort of in the linear flow of what we're talking about. So you'll probably want to edit around them. But okay. on the topic of making money for brands, there is absolutely the marketing uh, differentiator that we believe and are already seeing will lead consumers to choose a cooler brand over a non-cooler brand. In, in addition, I think, and and you know, because I'm living with cogs all day long, there's the expense side. And I'll give you an example of where Cooler, because it is instantaneous and it is a calculator that's backed with all this science, can result in very significant savings as companies are trying to uh, muster a sustainability effort. We uh, met last summer with a beverage company that had spent 18 months and just about $600,000 Doing a supply chain analysis to get to the point where they had a, a footprint for a bottle of their beverage. And we talked to them just after they had received this information. And in 24 hours, without knowing what their what their footprint was, Michael generated a footprint um, out of the out of the cooler calculator <laughs> that was within less than one-tenth of 1% of a difference than what they had spent $600,000 in 18 months to come up with, right? And ours was a little bit more conservative, right? Because uh, Cooler defaults to a more conservative footprint so that we're certain that we're never going to put a brand in a position where somebody could come in and say, you're undercounting this or you're undercounting that, right? And so that, you know, so... (laughs) It was kind of funny, we were on Zoom and and the folks who had done that were kind of scratching their heads and looking around like, oh, okay, well.
0: (laughs) That's that's why I was shaking my head because I kind of had a feeling that's where you were going. And I apologize for the people who aren't looking at us right now, but I literally was like, I know where this is going. And I, you know, I've heard similar stories from brands that have maybe invested a huge amount in like a consumer research survey and somehow came up with a similar result with a tech solution or anyways, point being is that is definitely like a, a hand to forehead moment for <laughs> the operations within brands. And I love that this technology exists. And frankly, it's, it's not politicized. Like it seems like it's very all about the business. It takes the person out of it. It probably, um, I'm imagining as you expand internationally, might take some of the cultural uh, challenges out of it. Because obviously, like a lot of brands, John, you and I were in Vietnam together for Osprey way back in the day. But Osprey is one example of a former Verde brand that would talk a lot about how their partners in Vietnam just didn't quite know, like... (laughs) how to answer what they were asking for without culturally misstepping and so i feel like this solution could really be a game changer in that regard globally as you're expanding and on that note when will you be kind of robustly available internationally
1: i mean we're robustly available internationally today if i could talk a little bit about vietnam as it just one of the things i learned sure we did this we did a, a three different years in a row we did a zero impact competition with backpacker in a prior incarnation just using other technology And Backpacker invited boot boot companies and backpack companies to make zero-impact products. Um, One other thing, and I'll let John talk some more about that, but I don't know if it's still true, but Vietnam back in the mid-2000s, late 2000s, was a largely hydropower-powered economy. That's probably changed some as their manufacturing grown. They probably use more fossil fuels now. But nobody knew that in the backpacking industry right? They were like, oh, China, China was incredibly carbon intensive. It's getting better, by the way. But China was a coal-fired economy in the mid-2000s. And and Vietnam was a hydropower economy in the mid-2000s. Huge difference in the footprint of the products just from that. So that's the kind of like aha that we are able to give our customers is to say, well, you know, we don't actually tell them where the, we don't need to know where the product is made to give them the footprint. But when they get the pie chart, they go, oh, 50% 50% of my power comes from electricity. They can call us, they can tell us where the product's made and we can incorporate it, but we don't need to know that. We assume it's made in the US, which is a kind of a not such a clean economy. Um, but we can adjust for where, where the product is made any anytime. So anyway, those zero impact challenges were really, really fun. So internationally, we're able to adjust. We we do have these the statistics that we use are available in every major economy. And um, and there's a lot of good research that shows you can crosswalk even to economies that don't have such good statistics. So the core components of the of products typically are the same in every economy. And then we can adjust for the energy base and resource base of those countries as well. Um, so we can actually, I just finished, we just did, um, we're in the midst of doing 10 companies in Australia right now with a, with a major financial player who's interested in rolling this out as a small business tool in, uh, in those in that country or around the world actually starting there. Um, so, and we already have, interestingly enough, we have some, um, eco travel partners in England, some tour operators, Sojourns, uh, which is a millennial facing kind of green travel company, um, and, and things like that. So we're already international, but we're still small and looking for just everybody to join us as many customers as we can get anywhere we can get them.
0: I have a feeling that you are going to be growing rather quickly. (laughs) Um, Just the solution you provide, the ease of integration, and and frankly, it just really helps Um, brands leapfrog a lot of legacy obstacles, I think. And, you know, our brands uh, in our markets, and John knows this well, everything moves slowly until one day it doesn't anymore. And COVID definitely accelerated a lot of that. And I think as we're all struggling to continue to look around the corners with the consumer today this is just one area we haven't seen any change is the consumer is still very much wanting to vote with their dollars and align with brands ethically. And that's like a form of very important self-identification today. So I think what you're doing is fabulous. Is there anything that I have missed touching on that you think is important for the Channel Mastery audience?
2: I I would say the two biggest barriers that I perceive to people taking action in the space, whether it's with Cooler or others, one, one is intimidated by perceived cost, uh, and the other is intimidated by perceived technology challenge. Right? Mm-hmm. This is On the surface, this looks like really complicated stuff to get right. And, and it is, of course. But um, you could, if you were a, let's say you're a, a footwear brand with a Shopify site, you could be up and running on cooler in one hour and the cost of making every single product you sell carbon neutral, uh, Michael, you know, footwear, what are we talking?
1: 0.4% yeah. uh, on, on, on of the cost of the product generally for a shoe. Um, so we give you a-
2: 40 cents for a hundred dollar shoe. Wow. Which whether, whether you as a brand are committed um, to, to covering the cost of that or passing it along to a consumer, it's in a way, it's in, in today's lifestyle, the way millennials behave, the roundup economy, it's it's almost a rounding error, right? To think about, I can make this pair of sneakers that I'm buying carbon neutral uh, and take that much emissions out of a smokestack for 40 cents.
1: Yeah.
2: So to me, you know, sort of existentially, the beauty of what Michael and team are doing is taking, you know, demystifying and taking the difficulty out of taking action as a consumer.
0: Right. Yeah. And,
2: and I, I want
1: to say, I mean, that that's a thanks. Thanks
2: for making that point, John. I mean, I think we've actually done some market research and shown that
1: for most sectors, except for travel, we come in at less than 2% of the cost of a customer acquisition today. So hope, I, I, hopefully this will turn out to be a way that people acquire a lot of new customers. And it is it is cheap compared to other ways. And of course, high impact, which is, which is great.
0: Absolutely. Well, I look forward to introducing you more to the Verde client roster. And as I, I, you know, obviously, John and I connected on this back during the height of COVID, but I also came upon it as a consumer through purchasing three products from OroCase, and then I immediately reached out to John and that's how we got the podcast together. So I'm so grateful for your time. And I look forward to uh, featuring all the links that we talked about in the in the show notes, as well as some examples of some great brands that are, that are integrating your technology. And um, I just would love to get, you know, as much information as we can out through the podcast. So thank you so much for what you're doing and for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advanced notice of new channel mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.